Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Howard Higa. He lives in Hawaii and he's agreed to do this podcast over FaceTime. Um, this is going to be my first time doing a FaceTime podcast. I've done two over Zoom and one over Skype. But I hope this turns out okay. I am so excited, I don't know what to say really. Um, this whole family has been a part of my life since I've come to Japan basically. I've known him since 1977, and I'm going to let him tell the rest of his story. But what I can tell you is that this family has been so much a part of my life that I've written two children's books, and I've included his first daughter, and I plan on putting his second and third daughter in the third and fourth book. So I'm looking forward to this. And his wife, I have to say, I gave her an award. For being so consistently involved with our program that I had when I was teaching at the American school, and I had her two daughters in the program, and she came to every single gymnastics meet we had, and she was always supportive. I never heard her say one negative thing about the program, or me to anyone else for that matter. As a matter of fact, she、uh, would stand up for me if anyone said anything slightly. Negative about the program, and it gave me a lot of confidence in what I was doing. And I hope to have her on the podcast very soon as well. Anyway, I'm going to be calling him up in a few minutes, and we will hear Howard's side of the story. Thank all of you for watching, and I plan on, I don't know how I can do the ending, but I hope I can do the ending the same way I usually do. But if not,、uh, I'll think of something. I, I really hope this turns out well. I'm calling Howard Higa today. He's in Hawaii. This is the first time I've ever called on a FaceTime call to try to do a podcast. And it's five o'clock my time in the morning here, and it's eight o'clock, no, it's ten o'clock his time in Hawaii the day before, so yesterday, for me anyway. So it's Tuesday there and Wednesday here. Anyway, I'm excited. Two minutes to go. Actually, I'm going to call him right now and see how it goes. And、um, <laughs> we'll find out. This should be a good one. Here we go. Good、you、morning, Howard. I made it. It made it happen. How are you doing? Fantastic. How are you doing? <laughs> Great. Thank you. Good, Howard. Look, I'm, I'm so、You've、excited. Been up since, it must be what, 5 o'clock there? It's 5 o'clock here in the morning, right. And it's 10 o'clock there exactly. Oh, that's too early for me. 
<laughs> we have a good connection this time. It's fantastic. That's a great connection. That's good. That's good. That's good. Listen, Hart, I want to start off. Thank you, first of all, for, for doing this podcast with me. It makes me so excited. I just, oh, <laughs> I'm trying to think oh well, thank you. Uh-oh. It looks like we're getting in our first, our first, our first no, bit no, of. I, I think I, I might have done that. Let me see. Wait. It'll clear up soon. Okay, I'm waiting for it because I can't see you yet. Okay. All right. So let's start off. Where were you born, first of all? Well, I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. In a, a town called Wahiawa, right. which is outside actually of Honolulu. Okay. In a place, and I was actually uh, born at the Wahiawa General Hospital. Okay. All right. And you're, so I'm you're, a country boy. That's where all the cane fields were and everything else. So I'm a real country boy. How long? How how long did you live there before you moved? Did you stay there your whole life? No. Well, I well stayed in where Wahiawa or yeah, no, yeah. In Hawaii. In Hawaii. Oh, in Hawaii, well, I, I graduated from from here. Actually, I went to school back in at ASIJ when I was about, um, I would say, maybe 12 or 13 years old. Okay. I spent about three years there, two or three years, right. at ASIJ at, at uh, Nakamegro. Right. That's when the OIJ was. That's right. At three years. It's a lot of good memories. Uh-huh. And uh, then we moved back here. And I stayed here and then went to college at, in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. And then joined, I had to, of course, join the armed forces. So I was in the U.S. Navy. You in, in Vietnam. the Navy? Okay. Yeah, in Vietnam. And I was with, assigned to a helicopter carrier. It's an assault uh, carrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, USS Iwo Jima LPH-2. Mm-hmm. And was there for about a year, about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was released early because the Navy actually ran out of money. Okay. So, you know, I, was, I, I thought I was fortunate. But during my period during the Navy, I thought I was really fortunate um, because, you know, when in, we're in a war zone, the captain or the skipper, the, you know, the officer there can, can actually assign you to anything. He, he calls, the, he makes the rules. Mm-hmm. So he actually made me an, an acting public affairs officer. So that's what I was on the ship. Okay. And, um, of course, the ensign who was the, uh, I was just a seaman. <laughs> right, right. And the ensign... Who, who was the public affairs officer was a little bit uh, ticked off that I kind of took his place. But we got along well, and uh, the, the uh, captain gave me a great opportunity to spend my time in Vietnam. On, on, we actually were in the Gulf of Tonkin, right. and uh, you know I was doing basically uh, public affairs stuff. And uh, the bad part, of course, we're taking you know we're, we had to interview some of the pilots who were shot. They were shot down. They brought over to the ship. And things like that were really, really interesting. But okay. yeah, I had a good time there, right. and uh, saw a lot of bad things, of course. But you know, you tend to kind of put that aside and, and uh, not remember those things. Right. But all in all, as far as experience was concerned, Lance was fantastic. Wow, you know, just like well, you know, some you're 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 delaying, so the audio's fantastic. Oh, now you just went out. Okay. <laughs> okay. The audio went. Fa- the audio is fantastic, but you're delaying. So, when people are watching this, am I delaying? No, you're not. Okay, but your yours is delaying, so your voice isn't matching what you're saying. But you, I can hear it perfectly. Okay. So no, now I can see it just right. Maybe I'm delaying because I'm old. No. Is, that, is there a cause for that? <laughs> <laughs> then it would be, then it'd be happening on both ends. Then it'd be happening on both ends. <laughs> 
Listen. Yeah, so what happened was we came back here and then, then you know, you know Mary, my wife. Right. We got married after my, my uh, term at Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually went back to Japan. Okay. And we stayed there for about uh, 12, 13, 14 years. Right. And um, that's, of course, when, you know, uh, it was a, was a fun time for, for me. Because right. now I was, I was back there as a young man trying to make a living. Uh-huh. You know, and it's tough in Japan, as you know, uh, right. to make a living. Yeah. I'm a foreigner, and I didn't speak the language. Right. And there's so many things, you know, that we had to overcome as expats. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for example, not just the language, but the culture. You know, right. the Japanese culture, it's easy to learn the language, but it's right. very, very difficult to, to master the, the language. Yes. Right. Yeah, so, but that was the interesting part, because I believe with all that suffering of learning the Japanese culture, it really, really helped me when right. I came back to the U.S. Okay. Because that culture is fantastic. Right. And things that you think about and you do more observing than talking. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., everybody does all the talking but not doing too much observing. Right. But just that one lesson taught me so much about the Japanese and about coming back to the U.S. Right. and really being successful in a lot of negotiations by just sitting back and not yammering but watching I think that's a key success. Let me let me ask one you. This. Let me ask you this. When did you get your spark for business? Because you had to go to Vietnam prior to that. Had your father got you involved in his business? Had you thought about doing business prior to that? What were your aspirations? What what got you started? Well, I'll tell you, this is interesting, Lance, and I'm glad you asked that question. Mm-hmm. When I went to college, you know, and no one really teaches you how to budget or things like that. So I had a bunch of money my dad gave me to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is you, you got all this money you never had before. So you're buying things and all this. Well, before the semester ended, I ran out of money. Okay. And I had to call my dad and says, Dad, you know, um, can you send me some more money? I don't have money. And he says, well, I mean, you had all this money. And says, well, I'll, I'll do better. So this went on to about my sophomore year. Same thing, same call. And he was getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated. So at that time, I was coming back and forth to uh, uh, Japan to see my dad, or see the family. Well, actually, at that time, uh, they were living in Europe. They were li- actually living in Switzerland. So I was coming back, and I'd have certain lessons in life, how to budget, and you know, what money was all about, and, and how much a dollar was worth. And uh, that didn't. That went in one year and came out the other. So, okay, I, Dad, just give me money. I just need money. You know, like the young kids today. Right. Dad, just give me money. I need money. Well, what happened was I had a, a, a moment here saying, you know what? I'm really tired of asking my dad for money. So what I did was when I was passing through Hawaii, my aunt, his sister, was actually, uh, as a hobby, making stone lanterns. Okay. So she had a mold. She had a big mold. I mean, the, the, a huge mold. For making stone lanterns so i asked i said you know what maybe i could sell these lanterns in missouri you know i'm japanese i'm making japanese stone lanterns it's a no-brainer so she said okay i'll tell you what she, we packed up the mold and i took them back to uh, uh, missouri and i started making lanterns um i rented a garage and the lanterns cost me about two dollars and i was selling them for 75 dollars but I had no idea that was a good price. I had no idea that that was a great money-making thing. And I felt, you know, after about a year, 
I was actually making probably as much money as some of my professors. Right. I, I mean, I felt like a, a drug dealer. I had right. all this cash in my pocket, and I didn't know I had to pay taxes. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so I go to my I go to my professors, right. and they're all doctors. And I said, you know, this is I have a business, and I'm making all this money. So what should I do? And they explained to me about taxes. Explained to me about what what I had to do and what marketing was and all this kind of stuff. And I said, you know what, that's great, but you know, I, I think I just do best on my own. So I just went out and went door to door. And my brother was there too. So he and I actually uh, formed this business together, marketing. Wait, 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 wait. You're talking, about, you're talking about Earl? No, I'm talking about uh, my other brother, Arnold. Arnold, Arnold. You wait. You only have you have three. That's right, right. That was Arnold. I'm sorry. I said. That was Arnold because I know your whole family. It's Meryl, you, yes. Arnold, and, and Ernie. Exactly. Just the four and of you. So, yeah, so Arnold and I actually went to uh, Drury College, uh, okay. Drury University now at that time. So we, we, we got together, we made a business, mm -hmm. and he helped me sell. I manufactured it, I sold too, but I was a manufacturer. So I oh. go down to the garage um, every day and after school and I make up all these lanterns. And you know, the, the concrete has to be cured. So, you know, we couldn't sell them for at least a couple of weeks or so. But I, I kept making these lanterns every day. So we had a, a big inventory of lanterns. Mm -hmm. And we go out and sell these things. And he and I, the best thing I can remember now is that <laughs> on, on, on one of the streets there, they had this thing called Chicken Delight or something yes, like that. That yes. was our favorite, favorite yes, dinner. Yes, yes, Chicken Delight. I remember. Yes, yeah, so we went down there and got the chicken and brought it back to our, our, our apartment and ate up. I said, God, this is, we sold five lanterns or whatever it is. We got hundreds of dollars. I said, shoot, I don't know what to do with this thing. Well, you know, we, we lived pretty high off the hog. I never asked my dad for more money after that. You never did. <laughs> so that mm. was my first business. Okay. So then you started seeing... So what happened was, this was interesting, another interesting thing. You know, it's it kind of like, I don't know if it was perception, or I don't know if they just, they, my professor saw me differently, but my grade point average was like, was like about one five, one seven, right. um, just barely getting by. Right. So my, of course, my, my father was very disappointed. Mm -hmm. After my sophomore year, when I started uh, uh, going to the professors for help to find out what I should do with this business, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to know what was in the econ books or the stat books or all these different things. I just wanted to know reality. This is what I was making. What should I do with this? So I went with them, and they gave me straight answers. And they, I guess they took an interest in me. So I, st I started going to them when my average was 1.7, 1.5. Mm -hmm. And after they started looking at my, my, my cash flow, what I was making, um, all, like magic, that's like magic. Mm. My grade point went up to like two seven, three one, three five. I mean, right. three point five. I, geez, I must be a genius. <laughs> well, you know, in those days, everything was like essays. So mm. I guess they must have thought through perception that, hey, this guy is not an idiot. He's not a one five. You know, he's 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 better than that. So my grades started to improve. Mm -hmm. The more money I made, my grades improved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that right? Do you think, but were, you, were you really studying more or you weren't studying more? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's all perception. Okay. You know, I'll give you a sad story. One, of the, one of the things, when I was there in Missouri, I, I was in English Lit class and my, uh, my roommate was very smart. So I just could not get, I couldn't get better than a D in English literature. Mm -hmm. Anything I did, I, I got a D. Mm -hmm. 
And so I said, this is really strange. I can't, I can't continue this. So anyway, what I did was I took one of his papers and I plagiarized it. He had an A in the paper. Mm -hmm. And we had different English teachers. So I, I gave his paper basically to the teacher. Right. We got a, I got a D. You still so got a D. That, I still got a D. He got an A. So what I did was I took it to the head of the, uh, uh, the class or whatever it was. The, mm -hmm. She was a professor also. And uh, I showed her so and I explained to her. I said, listen, I didn't plagiarize for the grade. I plagiarized it just to find out what the heck's going on. Because whatever I did, I could not get better than a D. I mean, that was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, you know, <clears throat> I found out later that the, uh, the prof my professors, my English lit professors, brother died in world war ii oh. so obviously yeah it was that it was you know this is this is a small university in, in missouri you know prejudice is running at high levels and all this type of thing mm -hmm. so yeah I, I i i got that and i also got many experiences with some of the the business school professors and i'm sure it was because i was japanese mm -hmm. uh, japanese american mm -hmm. <clears throat> but anyway in that in, in any way i i i got i got little fed up with the whole thing and I really wanted to leave the college but I, I stuck it out I thought you know I'm gonna graduate from this thing one way or the other and I started to do pretty well with the professors there um, so my grades obviously improved mm -hmm. and they I guess they, they perceived me as being a, a you know a kind of a, a unique kind of guy right. here he's going to school and he's, he's uh, making all this money right. you know we don't know what the heck he's doing, but he's probably making as much as I am as a professor. Right. And, you know, so they took a real interest. So what they would do, and you know Mary, they would actually invite Mary and I to their homes for dinner. And they would pick my brains of what I'm doing and how I'm making all this money and all this and that. And, you know, I said, hey, Mary, we got a, we got an invite to my professor, my econ professor. He wants to meet with us Which for were dinner. You, were you for already, were you, had you already married Mary? <clears throat> had you already gotten married? No, we are just boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay, so she went to the same college, like you said. She went to the same college. That's why I met her. Wow. What was she, what was she studying? What were you studying to become? Well, she was in education. Okay. So she actually became a teacher. Okay. And I was studying business. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really basically the influence of my father. You know, it was business or the highway. Right. So I said, okay, well, I'll take business. Right. <laughs> right. I, I'm done with the highway. So, uh, I, you know, it was really because of him. I, I, I give a lot of credit to my dad. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that, you know, in the old days, he was the old school guy. Um, if you didn't behave, you got a slap on the head right. or a belt. Right. And he says, you know, you're going to go to school and you're going to learn business. Right. And I said, you know, Dad, I want to be an artist. And he says, no, if you be an artist, then you know what? You're done. You're not going to get, I'm not going to pay for education. Right. <clears throat> and I also sang. I sang, I, I played a guitar. And we had a, a, a musical group in, in college. But that's what your brother and did. Actually, that's what your brother did. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're freezing again. Wait. Oh. Wait. And that's where, wait. you know, we, we kind of worked together on that. But what happened? Wait, but, wait. wait you wasn't, you wasn't my group. But you cut out for a second. Wait. What would you say about your brother? What? Sure. What did you say? Well, you know, my brother was also, he really liked music as well. He continued so with he, it. He did. Yes, he did. And then, as a matter of fact, when I was there in college, he would actually... I had a group of, of six people, okay. um, and what happened is he would come around to some of our gigs, you know, he loved hanging around, mm -hmm. and he really he really helped me out to do all that stuff, and mm -hmm. and from there, 
after I kind of gave up on the music, he went on and so, he, he did a good job. So you were, you were, yeah. what were you doing? You were a singer? Were you singing? Yes, I was singing and writing music. Okay. And I was playing guitar. All right. And what did your brother do? What did he, what did Earl do? Well, at that time, he wasn't doing it professionally. I was doing it professionally. Well, if you say professionally, professionally, because right. we we're getting paid. You're for getting stuff. paid, right. Yes. So by, by the, you know, by all means, I mean, we're a professional. And so I enjoyed doing that. And um, when I when we were when I was about ready to graduate, I said, you know what? I, I before I graduate this, we had an offer to go on tour for our music, and I said, you know what? If we did that, then all the people in my my group would not graduate; it would be just singing. Okay. And I said, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to bow out of this thing and continue with, well finish my school, which I did. Right. And what kind of uh, what kind of music though? First of all, what kind of music were you singing? We were doing at that time, Lance. I don't know if you remember this, but folk music. In okay, those days, okay. Folk music was high. That was big. So I was writing folk music, okay. and that's what we were singing. And we had um, we were on actually television on the Bell Telephone Hour once, and we yeah, <laughs> and they took us, and then we we performed for there. And you know, the college after that, the college was so indebted. They felt indebted to me. Because it, it actually helped promote the college. Okay. I mean, this was on television. Wow. You know, I think yeah. it was a three-state, tri-state type or whatever it is uh, uh -huh. deal on television. I said, right. wow, this is a big deal. Uh -huh. So anyway, I think that kind of helped my, uh, my uh, this thing about this prejudice thing go away. Right. It didn't go away, but yeah, just, but it, it calmed things down. A little bit. Right. <clears throat> and I just became a different person. You know, he's Japanese, but <clears throat> he's all right. You know, that right. type of thing. He knows how to yeah. sing. He knows how to sing <laughs> our kind of music. Right. <laughs> so yeah that was a deal so I, I hung around of course and, and stayed there <clears throat> and graduated okay and then uh, I, you know we thought we would get married you know at that time and i thought well you know what the draft is coming up and all this and i certainly we didn't want to i told mary i said listen i would like to get married <clears throat> and I have to deal with it with my parents because you know here she was a Caucasian girl and I'm Japanese. So and she was she was getting what you got, right? <laughs> so <clears throat> I had to convince my dad and mom, right. that, hey, this uh, Caucasian girl is not bad. I mean, she right. she's just like Japanese. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. right. <clears throat> Excuse me. They didn't want to hear but it. But in any case, yeah. We, we, I told her I said, listen, Mary. To be honest, I said, what I have to go to Vietnam. I already know that. And what I don't want to do is get married and leave you a widow. Right. Something should happen. Right. So we can do that, all that stuff when I get out, which we did. Um, in, I think it was in 1969 okay. when I was released from the Navy. And we got married in, 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 uh, at the college okay. and uh, came to Japan right. in, in about 69. So right. that's where we started in Japan. Okay. Um, so you stayed. stayed you stayed. You stayed here until seventy eight, seventy nine. You stayed. In, you stayed in Japan till seventy eight or seventy nine, didn't you? When did you go back to Hawaii? Seventy nine. Oh, uh, you know that's uh, a good 80? question. That, yeah, eighty. I eighty. I, I think we came back to Hawaii in about eighty. Right. I think it was, it was my last year. I think at the American school. Yeah. Right. And so you know the thing is is that all those years, I mean, you know, I thought I was suffering. I mean, you know, I couldn't speak the language when I first came over okay. in, this, in, in, in those days. And um, Mary, of course, couldn't speak it. Mm -hmm. So we actually enrolled in at uh, uh, the university, KO University, right. their okay. international language uh, uh, department. Right. 
And uh, I continued. And, you know, actually, they, they had that problem with Okinawa. You know, Japan was trying to get Okinawa back. The students were revolting. They had staves and sticks and stones and all this type of stuff going on. And their parents came to visit us. And just about that time, they saw all these riots with people with, you know, the, the, the bandanas, all these students running around, throwing sticks and stones and all this. Right. Say, hey, you better get out of here. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of serious at the time. That's true. And so we quit uh, going to school because that's where the, you know, the university there. I mean, the, all the action was going on there mm -hmm. and all that. So anyway, what we did was we, we, we quit. We, we, we said, okay, well, well, you stay at home and I'll go ahead. I've got to work. And I'll just get a dictionary, and I'll just open my dictionary. It says, uh, Ohio gozaimasu. Right, that right, means good morning. Right, so right. that's how I started off. Um, we didn't speak uh, uh, any Japanese at home because mm -hmm. we're all basically, uh, we call sansei. Sansei is third generation, my, yeah. my, my, my siblings. Yeah. And uh, my dad was a Nisei, second generation. We all spoke English at home. He grew up in Hawaii so too. Your father grew up in Hawaii as well? Yes, he did. Okay, okay. My father and mother grew up in Hawaii, okay. and so we were all basically Americans with uh, Japanese skin, <laughs> but couldn't speak a word of Japanese. The only word I probably knew was musubi. Musubi, right. <laughs> so when I came to Japan, I, I had a great, that, that was the only word I knew, musubi. Musubi, you know? <laughs> right, right. But in any case, you know, it, it was a wonderful, wonderful, as you know, experience living in Japan. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of hurdles. A lot of girls, but you know, living there was just for me was fantastic. Mm -hmm. What uh, took I you enjoyed it? So what was so so after all that? You went to KL. When was your first business here in Japan? Okay, well, I started off selling actually just selling. Um, uh, well, at first, you know, I didn't have anything to do, so I started being a, a, a trader. So I, I, I brought an importer, I brought in stuff as, as cheap as I could and sold as much as I could, okay. whatever that was. And I got involved with all kinds of small products, mm -hmm. um, things like that. In those days, they didn't have the internet, which was working in my my, my favor because if the internet, you know, you go now, you, the things I was selling, they know they, they know exactly what price I could they could buy it at whatever and have it shipped over, and my game's lost. Right. You know, I have no game. Right, right. But in any case, in those days, you know, it played for me. Uh, <laughs> no one had a computer. There was no such thing as internet or whatever. So I flew to the, the mainland. And went to these trade shows and everything, picked up things. Right. Like, okay, talk to the guys, I want exclusive for Japan, whatever it was. So that was kind of like my, my first venture into trading. Right. So I brought in things like uh, fur coats from Australia. <laughs> I got brought in golf uh, equipment, candies from Hawaii. As a matter of fact, I, I, I brought in macadamia nuts. And I had Itoen package it. And I actually drove the two-ton truck you to, drove the, to the factory. Yes. Okay. <laughs> And I did stuff like that. And of course, I did other things like the water filter, right. water purification equipment, which was my main business. Right, right. And other things like, um, interesting, I learned one thing that Korea was selling women's eyelashes for 15 cents. They had a standard price, 15 okay. cents. Yeah. So then I go to Korea, maybe I'll sell eyelashes. So I bought a whole bunch of eyelashes and I, 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 I wrote to Maybelline. I said, well, maybe they can buy my eyelashes. Well, it was a good study about eyelash. It's very technical. Okay. Um, I went to talk to Shiseido, and that was a joke because Shiseido was, of course, a pro in all these things. Mm -hmm. And they explained to me exactly what they were doing in Korea. Had 
would not even come close to what Shiseido was doing with right. women's eyelashes. Right. So, but things like that, I got involved as a trader. Okay. And, you know, I was like, um, in those days, I was really like a, uh, how can I put it? I was like a, you know, like a boy in a, in a toy store. Okay. And all the businesses really intrigued me in this way. Mm. So I, I was still involved in many businesses because yeah. of that. Well, okay, but how, what, what kind of influence did your father have on this? Because what was your dad doing at this time? Well, my dad was actually, he, we were, I was in Tokyo, mm -hmm. and my dad was in Fukuoka, because okay. he had the Pepsi-Cola bottling factory there, okay. and he was dealing with all of that, mm -hmm. and he would come in probably on the weekend, you know, uh, he would stay there the whole week and come in the weekend uh, after his uh, uh, battles at, with Pepsi-Cola in Fukuoka, right. and they were struggling. I mean, right. it's, it's a tough business when you have Coca-Cola you know, as a, as a competitor, mm -hmm. um, it's a tough business, right. but in any case, you know, he, um, he, he, he really worked hard. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that my dad really worked hard right. and, right. um, we, a lot of times we didn't see eye to eye. Of course. You're the we're, first we're, son. You're the first son. That's why. Yeah. The first son. And also yeah. maybe we're just too much alike. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, and I've always wanted to try and prove myself. I didn't want to be, yeah, the son of a Pepsi Cola guy. I just wanted to be myself, mm -hmm. and maybe that was too much, mm -hmm. but you know, I felt that <clears throat> I just wanted to be independent of all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to say, well, yeah, he's uh, Yetziga, that's his name, his nickname. Yeah, that's Yetziga's son, and he's this, he's that. Mm -hmm. And you know, after a while, you get tired of that. Right. You want to be yourself, right. you want to be your own. Right. And uh, maybe it's a male ego thing, or an Okinawan thing, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm Okinawan, you know, so right. <laughs> maybe it's an Okinawan thing, I have no right. idea. Right. But yeah, I wanted to be my own. So that's kind of what happened. Um, as a matter of fact, my whole family is very competitive. They sure you know, are. I have, I have a brother and I have a sister. My brother, my other brother, my younger brother, he passed away. Mm -hmm. But these two guys are very, very competitive. Um, I don't know what would happen if we all three got together. We might be bigger than Facebook. <laughs> but they're all, they're all very, very smart and aggressive mm -hmm. uh, 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 people. And uh, I, I think so am I. And very and kind, but very kind. You have to add the very kind part because all of you are very kind. And I mean, that's well, that's where I've known all of you. I mean, all of you, including your sister, Meryl. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, all you know, of you. She's, just she's, she's one aggressive person. I yeah. tell you, she's, um, I believe that um, all three of us are, are quite unique. Mm -hmm. And um, we've, we've gone our separate, well, separate, somewhat separate ways. Mm -hmm. But in reality, They've been all very successful, they sure and uh, yeah. it's not an easy thing, especially for a woman like my sister mm -hmm. to be operating in Japan mm -hmm. to be as successful as she is. Right. And my little brother, yes. you know, he's Mr. Domino's. Tell you know, me about it. Everybody. Tell me about it. Well, now he's Mr. <laughs> he Wendy's. Can be in Wendy's, or whatever. Now he's, he's Mr. Wendy's in First Domino's. Kitchen, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He well, no, he's got he's got a ton of restaurants. That's I mean, right, you know, right. you can't count them on. 50 right. hands, but That's I mean, right. you know, he's doing well. Well, see, and, but, but, but didn't you bring the cell phone to Hawaii? Come on, Waikiki. You helped to bring yeah, that I, over there. Yes, I did. So okay. there's a story to that. So, you know, my, my father used to come to Hawaii, and I was kind of in Hawaii. I was always doing things here in Hawaii, mm -hmm. from coming from Japan and all that. And one day, um, one, one evening, I remember, we were sitting in this, uh, the Young Harbor Towers apartment. I remember that so well. And we're sitting there, and I said, you know, Dad, I need to tell you something. I'm getting involved in communications. And he said, well, that's a good business. You know, son, you know, keep it up. And he said, yeah, but I need to tell you about this one. You know, I believe, 
I certainly believe one day everybody in the world will be carrying a phone in their back pocket. And he, he kind of reared back and he says, well, son, you know, I've educated you, did all these good things. Why do you say something like that? Why do you say something like that? I said, Dad, I'm telling you, this is going to be the hottest thing that's going to happen. You know, everybody in this world will be carrying a phone in their back pocket. And, and just to prove it, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to get involved in this. Mm-hmm. So I did. I got involved in, in the company called Honolulu Cellular. We were one of the first companies in the nation. Of course, I had other partners. Right, right. But we were one of the first companies in the nation to actually beat the wireline carrier, they call it, the WCCs, into making a mobile carrier, which was basically, you know, the old cell phones right, right. and all that. Yeah, the big things. blocks, yeah. The big four, yeah. <laughs> so we got involved in that. Um, and one of the things I said, you know, I, I just, this, this thing is just too, too big and too expensive for a little guy like me, a little investor. So I actually, we actually, I had a partner from New York and uh, he was a Greek partner. Uh, his name was Kolokondos and he was a shipper, a Greek shipper. But he was involved in this business and he had a, a great attorney working for him, Carl Aaron. And Carl called me up one day and says, you know, Howard, we can sit here and pound sand all day this business is going to cost a lot of money because we've got to make all these base stations. We have to make these. Oh, it's just too much money investment. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. And I couldn't even count up to a million dollars. When he said hundreds of millions, I said, you're talking way over my head. So he says, but but I have a great deal uh, coming. There's a company called Bell South. It's a little baby bell. And they, they're they going to make an offer to buy Honolulu Cellular. And he says, I, I think we should sell. And I said, you know what? If you think that, Carl, I'm with you. So, <laughs> so we actually sold it for uh, a substantial amount of money, actually. Okay. Okay. And I said, wow, is, if business is this easy, this is duck soup. I mean, I, I'm going to live the life of Riley. And, you know, I, I was fortunate, I believe. I was just really lucky. Yeah. So when I got involved in that, that is now it has turned over to, it, it is now called AT&T Wireless. Right. So that same company that we started here in Hawaii, AT&T bought that, and it's AT&T Wireless, and it's become obviously very successful. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, I, Carl was right. I mean, this is a, a business that, you know, it's not it's not right for a small investor. It takes tons of money to build a cellular system, and interesting. And then, of course, when they went from cellular, my partner went into, he says, he, they called me up one day and says, you know, Howard, we want to get into another business. I said, you know what? I made a lot of money. I'm going to just put it in the bank. I'm going to take it easy. No, 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 no. This is a great business. you got to listen to this. I said, okay, I'm listening. Well, what we want to do is we want to buy one of the satellites from Nassau. And I said, satellites from Nassau? What are you guys talking about? I don't even know what a satellite looks like. Said, well, we're going to get into what we call this, um, um, well, text, like texting. Uh, they call it digital, uh, d- digital messaging. And they, they invented a machine and all this. This was before all this text messaging was around. They invented this machine. And I have I have one, actually. The first text machine that they had, they made. And uh, it, it goes off the satellites and all this type of stuff. And I said, you lost me. I said, this is ridiculous. Satellite? I said, you know, what's a little guy from Honolulu, Hawaii, going to get involved in a satellite that uh, NASA is selling? And I said, this is crazy. Well, at that time, they bought the satellite, and they, I said, I, I bowed out of it. Mm-hmm. But the interesting part is, is that, I don't know if you remember this, but NHK's satellite went down. 
Okay. It actually went down, and these guys jumped in, and, and, and NHK got great, a lot of time, Boku bucks right. on this South Bank. So right. they did all right. But okay. of course, not me. I was. You when you jumped out of it, Johnny. Yeah, so, you know, there was one thing always led to another, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what happened with the, the, uh, the cellular business. Okay. But uh, interesting, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed my life. I mean, yeah. I think it was just, um, I don't know what it was. And I, I think I've kind of somewhat figured it out. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know, I, I think what it is is that perception to me is everything. Okay, they might have, you know, I, I think I'm a, a professional in perception. Mm-hmm. I can I can make someone perceive what I want to be. I don't know if you believe that or not. I do, one hundred percent. Yes. If I want to walk around with a gold belt buckle and I don't have ten cents to my name. And ride a Corvette. <laughs> and I got this guy called Lansky looking at that. He thinks I'm, I'm worth money. <laughs> no, I knew you were. I could tell. I could tell. I could tell by the style. See, you made the Corvette look good. You made the belt buckle look good. See, some people go the other way around. They buy these things to try to make themselves look good, and it doesn't work. But you were making all of that look good, and that made a big difference. And I could tell the difference because I was an investment consultant before I came to the ASI Jack. Yeah. I saw, I've you seen know. them all. I've seen the big rings. I've seen all of it. And there's a difference between the person making it look good or the items making the person look good. It makes a big difference. Well, thank you very much. It's a, it's a very fact. big compliment from you. It's a fact. But no. you know, it's always been my thought yeah. is that this is a, one of the key things that I've always believed in mm-hmm. is I don't want to say it this way because it sounds scammy, mm-hmm. but, you it know, does. A lot of times in life, you have to kind of like fake it to make it, mm-hmm. fake it until you make it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the things, the important things in business, I don't care where you are, even in Japan, everybody's doing it on the business table. You see the Japanese are having these meetings, but they're basically faking it till they make it. Um, another thing too is perception. Everybody's got their gold Rolex watch on. That's They've right. got all their Sony shoes. That's right. They drive Mercedes with a the driver there. You know, it's, it's all perception. They just right. you perceive. They're trying to make you perceive what they are. But how and, can you? Know, they, but, but how can you tell when someone's really it's them that you? What do you? How can you tell when it's about them and it's not about their items? You know, Lance, you, you give you give any really uh, a good business person ten minutes with the individual, and they can figure it out. They can figure it out. And, and I'll tell fake. you one thing: I like golf. And one of the things is when you're with someone for four hours, you, know. you can really figure this guy out. <laughs> how you he know. cuts, how much he's betting, That's and right. all that kind of stuff. That's you right. know his character already. Right. And then eventually everybody got to get nude and take a bath. So That's you right. can't hide anything. You can't hide right? anything, right. That's it. You're, That's you're right. it. That's and, right. you know, basically, you know, a round of golf can certainly show any individual who that other person is. Is right there, right? by talking yeah. to him, if he's having lunch during the nine, after the nine holes, etc., have a couple beers, and you know, you cannot fool anybody for like four hours. You That's cannot. True. That's true. Your whole feeling has to come out. That's so right. that to me was very important to mm-hmm. learn about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So you know, to me, Lance, I mean, you know, one of the things is that we as business people, I'm close to eighty now. I'm okay. seventy-eight years old. Right. So I've gone through all of that. I've gone through all the, um, you know faking it to you make it mm-hmm. everybody has a dream every business guy has a dream and you know tell me something do you believe that one of the goals of any businessman is to become financially stable <laughs> how can right? it be right right but that's it I mean, you want to become financially stable you want to make sure you take your kids that's right your that's wife, all. pay your mortgage 
drive a nice car, maybe a Jaguar or something like that. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that's it. Right? Right. But you don't want to create debt or all this type of thing, borrow that's money right. to do all these things. Right. You want to become financially stable. So right. that every, every businessman, I don't care what they say, one of their main things, checklists, that's is becoming thing. financially stable. Right. There are other things, I'm sure. I mean, there's other things. Oh, I want to be the biggest in town. I want to be the, the biggest of that or whatever. You know, I want to have a gazillion dollars. Well, today, <laughs> if you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of billionaires. <laughs> no, you know, I... I don't want to be crass, but millionaire, you can kind of handle. That's right. Billionaire. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you know, like, right. uh, what do they say? Um, Elon Musk just lost, like, $20 billion or Bingo. something like that. what? Yes. week or something like that. That's just right. because the stock market changed. That's right. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, you know, I don't know what every business guy, his goal is, but I say... Bring it down to normal. You just want to be, basically, you want to be financially stable. That's you want true. to take care of the basics. That's true. You want to make sure. I guarantee you, even Lance Lee and you and me, we can eat in the best restaurants where Warren Buffett eats. I guarantee you can do that. Isn't that great? Yes, yeah, true. That's true. Mark Zuckerberg. That's we can true. eat in the restaurants he wants to That's eat That's right. That's right. Whoever. Elon Musk. You know, so what's the deal? That's so right. where are your goals? Is right, it right. like a billion? Is it two billion? Like, Elon Musk, he's already working on trillion. <laughs> I don't even know what that number is. So, you know, I think, I, I'm saying this for a reason. You know, I, for close to 80 years, I've been fighting business, I'm doing this and doing that. How much is enough? That's right. You know, my dad taught me well. He taught me to be very competitive. He was the old school guy. You got to make a lot of money. You got to just keep on going. Okay. Well, you know, it's like a, you, you, you're like a, a, a rodent in this wheel just <laughs> going round and round in a circle and it never stops. You know, all this money's piling up around you and all these things uh, toys you may see That's but right. what, what for? Right. Are you, in, this is what really counts are you happy about that? and so let me tell you a thing uh, you know about a year ago I had a TV interview from Kiku Television mm -hmm. and I, I you know I just tired of doing these things I, I, I'm not a really good speaker and I, I just didn't want to Get on television. And it's about elders in Hawaii. Okay. I can do that. You want to talk about old age? Okay. I can talk about that till kingdoms come. Right. But they asked me a question. He says, uh, Mr. Higa, what was your interest in getting involved in the taxi business? I said, well, you know, he said, we've read your resume. You've been involved with a lot of stuff and hotels and things like this in cellular and, and, uh, the, the uh, captive insurance companies that you've owned. I said, yeah, I have. And um, it was because I've just had a lot of interest in that. But I didn't have an interest in the taxi business. Because you I have the biggest taxi business in Hawaii, don't you? It's yes, called the I, cab. I, I do. It's the I cab, do. right. But I didn't have an interest in that. The mm -hmm. problem how I got involved in it was, and they wanted to know the reason, is that a friend of mine came by, and I'm sitting in my office and one day, and he says, you know, Howard, can I borrow some money? I said, oh, oh no, I don't go there. There's banks down there, and you can go down to the banks. And uh, I think I lost you. You did for a second. there. You're still blurry, but I can hear you. Okay, so okay. I'll keep talking. Okay. So I said, there are banks here that, um, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, really that, um, so you go somewhere else, go to the bank, because normally if a bank won't lend you money, chances are you can't pay it back. Right. So... He came, every, he came to the office about three or four days, five days in a row. He kept begging. So I said, you know what, um, Steve, 
in order to get you out of my office, if I wrote you a check for what you need, will you leave? The next time I want to see you is when you come pay it back. Mm -hmm. It's a deal. I said, okay, good. So I wrote him a check. said, okay, get out of here. So a year later, he came back and he threw some keys on my desk. And he said, I said, what's that? He said, well, I bought a cab company and it didn't work. And it's about a million dollars in debt. And I said, oh, wait a minute. I'm not getting involved in cabs. I have no idea what a cab is. I have no idea what drivers do or whatever it is. I'm not getting involved in it. So he said, that's it. Take it or leave it. So the keys sat on my desk for about a year. And the company started accumulating more and more debt. I said, you know what? If I got I to gotta do something. I either got to shut it down or I got to restructure this thing. Mm-hmm. So I chose the latter. And I said, okay, so I'll restructure it. I did. And I thought, you know, every day I... I, I was just so mad at myself that I did this. But every day when I came to work, looking at the taxi business and all that, I said, you know what? I should have said no and I should not help this guy because this is what happens now. But the more I got involved in this business, it was very interesting. And that's, let me tell you something. This is an interesting point. You know, as you know, most of the cab drivers are basically all immigrants. In, in Hawaii, they basically all come from Asia, okay, Korea. Taiwan, Philippines, um, Vietnam, and all that. And they can hardly speak English. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, I was new in the business, and I'd have these little kids come in, like 9, 10 years old, and they they come in with their parents, and they said, oh, Mr. Higa, and they speak fluent English. Mr. Higa, my mother, my father, really wants to drive the taxi, because that's all they can do. Can you give them a job? Can you help them? I said, well, you know, they can't speak English, so it's going to be tough, because... We're a service business, and, you know, you have to speak English in order to drive taxis anywhere in the U.S. Yeah, but, you know, they will learn. They'll study hard. Anyway, I said, okay, I'll tell you what. You know, I'll take your mother. I'll take your dad. Whatever. Come on in. So mm-hmm. we start bringing all these uh, immigrants that really were, most of them weren't educated. They couldn't speak English, you know, and they were on their last last leg on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I said, tell you what, I will, I will deal with this thing. So I thought, you know, if I create, again, perception that the right. cab is a great company and I use a local comedian, we made a funny thing. It's like doing all these smoke and mirrors game. Right. And said, oh, you know, the, the driver, he can't speak English that well, but he'll get you from point A to point B. Right. Don't worry about that. That's right. So I did that. And about 10 years later, <clears throat> I, I went downtown and I was looking at some of these big offices and they had names on there. And some of the names, it seemed to me like I recognized them. So I thought, no, it can't be. There were like <clears throat> Wins and, and Kims and all this type of thing, people from Korea, Vietnam, from Africa, from everywhere in the, in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. I had drivers. <clears throat> and I thought, you know what? I looked at some of these guys up. I had this one lady I looked up, and her, her daughter was educated at Notre Dame. That's the one that came into my office, bringing her mother. And she was like only about 10 or 11 years old. This is about 20 years later. Right, right, right. And she was an an electrical engineer. And I said, oh, this is interesting. I started looking. I went to Queens Hospital. Most, a lot of these guys, their parents used to drive for me. And these were kids. They were surgeons. They were attorneys. They were engineers. I said, my God. You know, at that moment. It just gave me a real, we call it in Hawaii, chicken skin. Yeah, really, just part of my body. Right. Goosebumps. Right. I said, you know what? This really is a goosebump moment. Right. And I said, a goosebump moment. I mean, to me, that was so fantastic. I mean, you know, to, to be part of 
their so-called American dream. That's mm-hmm. what I thought American dream was. I thought, you know what? When I was doing this interview, this TV person, where he was, this uh, this guy was this uh, uh, guy was asking me all these questions, it seemed like in my mind that I stopped talking, but all these words started coming out. And and one of the questions he asked me he says, "Well, what, what what are you what are you doing this thing for?" And I all of a sudden these words started coming out, like just shooting out, and says, "You know what? I'm doing it so that these immigrants can at least I'm, I'm trying to pay it forward." I don't know if that's what I was doing, but it was coming out of my right. my mouth. Right. He says, I'm trying to pay it forward. And what I'm trying to do is give them their American dream. But I also realized one thing is that I can't basically give their mother or their father an American dream. It's tough for a person that comes here as a foreigner that can't speak English that well to get their American dream. Mm-hmm. However, I said, they can get their American dream to their children. And mm-hmm. at that point, this whole, my neck was upset. Did I say that? Wow, isn't that the truth? <laughs> and I realized that, you know, about over a thousand drivers have come to my company. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, probably for a thousand people, I've been, I've, I'm, an, I'm an enabler. I, right. I, I, I enabled them to get their American dream to their children. That's right. And, you know, a lot of people would say to me, I never got it at that time. They would say, you know, your driver is really crazy. All of them are driving with Harvard stickers, Notre Dame stickers, MIT stickers on their car. It's like they want the, all these stickers on their car. I said, sir, let me tell you something. If you see a cab driver driving with Stanford or Notre Dame or MIT on his car, his kids are going there yeah, or have gone there. Let me tell you that. We have so many drivers that are running around with Punahou, which is a, a fine yeah, high school here. Yes. Yes. Very expensive. And cab drivers have this on their car, Punahou. It's not because they like Punahou. They do like Punahou. Right. But their kids are going to Punahou. Right. They're also going to MIT. They're going to Harvard. Right. They're going to Yale. One went to Notre Dame. This lady, she worked like, I would say, Every 17 second. hours a day. Right. And she got that. You know what? When I was talking about all this stuff, it was like, and I'll tell you this, this is the really important thing, Lance. I felt like I was having like a, an epiphany. I realized what my life was for, what, I, what I'm working for. Okay. What's that? You know, it was like maybe assisting people to get their American dream and paying it forward. Paying me for it. I mean, God was good. I had great blessings. So, how can I pay it forward? You know, I'm, you ask yourself, how are you pay it forward if you got That's good right. blessings? That's right. You know, but this one is like my aha moment. Oh. You know, like. Yeah, like they say, Oprah, right? Know, like, yeah, it's an aha moment for me. And I'll tell you, I believe that the ultimate feeling of life is that aha moment. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, lot, not all golfers can get the ball and get a hole in one. Right. That may be a great moment. It's not an aha moment, That's but right. it's like an aha moment because it's something you never planned for. Like you're in business. My little brother is selling pizzas. He's also doing this thing with Wendy's burgers or whatever it is. But I don't know if he'll ever get his aha moment. If he does, I wish he does because he'll then he can feel what I'm feeling. Right. It's a feeling, Lance, I just can't explain to you. Yes, it's yes. this aha moment. Yeah. You know, uh, something that to me, it, it's something that well, for example, in Japan, I had a mentor there, right. a guy called Takayoshi Mizushima. Mm-hmm. He was in Hakubi Kimono Gakuni. He, made, he, he had kimono uh, lessons in school, a very successful guy. He told me one word in Japanese. He said, Higa-san, you must learn this word, Ikigai. I said, Ikigai. I said, what the? He made this big post, this big sign, and mm-hmm. had it 
had it uh, framed and everything, beautiful framework, Ikigai. I said, what does that mean? He says, well, in English, it would be the reason for existence. But Ikigai is what you what you need is, people need an Ikigai. They need a reason to exist, a reason for existence. And I could never understand that, Lance. This was like 30, 40, 50 years ago when he did this. And I said, my mentor is telling me Ikigai. I said, what the hell is that? I mean, that's just some Japanese word. And now realize, and now understand what Ikigai is. Wow. It's a reason for existence. And I'm telling you, Lance, with that aha moment and this thing about Ikigai and all that, I tell you, it really was so satisfying. I mean, like every business guy is trying, they're struggling with this, this wheel, just trying to do this and that. The question is, is what are you doing that for? Money? Yeah, you're right. How much money do you want? You want another car? You want five cars? You want 10 homes? I mean, look at Zuckerberg. They got homes all over the world. Mark just bought a place here in Kauai. I mean, you know, what's he going to do with all that? But, you know, did he ever have that aha moment? Mm. You know, what is he? This is what Mark Zuckerberg is all about. Mm. We see it on Facebook, but is that what, what he sees it here? I don't think so. That's so I'm not bragging about that. I'm just saying. For that you, you found like your purpose. One, you never planned for it. You right. just boom, you hit the ball, and it, it, it's, it's probably a, a junk hit anyway, right. and it lands in the hole. It lands in the hole. Now, can you imagine a 100 yards of football field? You know, hitting the ball 100 yards where Tom Brady sorted his pass and it lands in a hole that big. Right. It's, a, it's almost is, impossible, it's right? true. That's true. It's the same thing, like, I believe this aha moment. Right. Everybody's got to, if they experience this aha moment, this epiphany, that's, I'm telling you, they'll change. And I have changed right, since right. then, really. And it's only that's been right. about a year since I had this interview. And this whole thing that? happened. And I'm thinking about this. And I get to see it because it was an interview. So I kept looking at it, looking at it. And I said, I'm not saying that, but words are coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, is, is that, was that my, my reason for existence? Is that my reason? And this, I'm not trying to create a reason. It's That's just right. that in my mind, right. it created something in mind. It, it just like said, hey, this is your, maybe this is your reason for existence. That's right. Isn't that I something? I mean, it was strange, really strange. That is beautiful. That it's is really beautiful. changed me. I've so, been so calm since then. Yeah. I mean, I thought, well, you know, I'm just being crazy or what. Maybe right. it's my old age being really soft. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, lads. This, this is the aha moment. Everybody got that's some, I think that's something experience. all of us need to look for. If we're fortunate enough to live long enough or to have that experience in our life, that is something hard. I mean, oh, you gave me goosebumps just hearing that. No, seriously. <laughs> I, I know. I'm serious. Going down my back. And I said, you know, this is strange. And, that's you know, good. if I can share this, and I, this is in your podcast. You are. I would love to share this. Maybe I don't say it right. Maybe I didn't say it right. You did. But I think everybody, will, they will know when they had that epiphany, that mm-hmm. aha moment. Mm-hmm. They will know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they get it. Hopefully it comes to them. Because when it does, they will understand exactly what I'm saying. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, I wish that on you, guys. Right. Thank you so much. No, Howard, thank you for this time. Listen, I can think of so many things I could say to what you've just said, but I think the best is what you just said finding that aha moment and really just hoping that you do have that because that's like to me you're saying find your purpose when you find that exactly, out exactly when you find your purpose out and you've been living your purpose the whole thing is you didn't realize it but you've I been didn't living realize that. that's right you've been living your purpose and then all of a sudden you're able to articulate it and you were that was your out of body experience saying something you were wait, wait did I really say that and then you know, seeing that, so that's beautiful. That. I can understand. So strange. Yes. I mean, I sat there and it seemed like these, these words are coming out. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, 
wait a minute, did I say that? I wasn't quite sure. You know, I, I looked at this interview right, several right. times, and I said, you know what? And I said, I said to get goosebumps and all this type of thing. I said, God, I've had about a, over a thousand drivers come here to the company, and we've given them their American dream, and it's like, God, this is what, you know, this is what maybe my purpose is. My purpose. Oh, I don't know. Beautiful. That's it. No, no, no. Well, your purpose, you've been doing that your whole life. Like you said, through everything you've said so far, when you said, think it until you make it. You know, I, I can tell a real person when I see one, and I knew you when I saw you, just like they say every woman, every behind every strong man, there's a strong woman. Well, see, I got to spend more time with Mary and your two exactly. daughters, so I knew what you were made out of. I had no doubt about that. And, and I'm just so privileged to have you be a part of this podcast now. Thank you so much. Well, Lance, right. thank you very much for this opportunity right. to share this with you. Right. Um, to be honest with you, Lance. I'm listening, yes. Okay, to be honest with you, you're the first person I've ever shared this moment with. Oh, thank you so much. About this idea. Really, it is. Thank you I so just, much. I just didn't feel, I, I felt it was my heart. Mm -hmm. I felt that, you know, people think, oh, he's 80 years old, he's going crazy. You know, no, 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 no. So, you know, I never talked about it. Right. When, you get this, when I start talking to you, my old memories about you and us back in Japan, <laughs> that was beautiful. way back, and start to pop up, and all this thing comes flowing through my head, my heart, yeah. and I said, I got to share this with Lance, yeah. because yeah. this is something that you're the first person I'm sharing this Thank feeling you. with. Thank you. And it's like, I got to share it with somebody. Thank you. You sure? It's normally something you just want to keep. Right. But, but this, this one feeling I just had to share. Thank you so much. Howard, you shared something with me before in the Okuda Hotel, you remember, because you'd been in the hospital. And that was another right. time when you had an epiphany. epiphany. And you sat yes. back and, you, and it made you question. But I, I can imagine now you know your purpose. That's beautiful. Oh, oh this, I'm telling you, all, everything that happened before this right. is, is it's something that I, I you know, I, I'm a no bullshit guy. That's for sure. That's for really. sure. So I'm telling you, Lance, this is something I really mean that it, it came to me and it really affected me. And it made me so calm, mm -hmm. so relaxed. Right. And I think a lot of business people should maybe kind of think about this. Right. Because, you know, you can do all this creation and everything, but if you're not around to enjoy it, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean anything. Right? Mean anything. <laughs> what do you mean? Nothing. But if you can enjoy it, That's right. if you can feel more relaxed and maybe live a few years longer because you're more relaxed, mm -hmm. hey, it's good. That's right. That's right. That's what it was meant for, maybe. Wow. I don't know. Oprah Winfrey's uh, aha moment. That's right. I know what that is. There you go. And it doesn't take a billionaire to find that out either. Even though she's a billionaire. Right? That I can guarantee you. <laughs> Howard, thank you for this time. I really appreciate it. And I'm gonna let you know as I get this edited and everything. I'm gonna. I'm thinking about. It, I'm gonna have to use some stills for it because you stopped, and then some of it you actually were on time. So I'm gonna see if I can do it in between that. Thank you again, Howard. I don't Lance, do any more time. Thank you very much. Appreciate well, it. Thank you so much. Same, appreciate really, it. Really. I still. I still remember the good old days when you first met. Did they? You're gonna, and you're and a wonderful gonna, guy. And I'd do anything for you, Lance. Oh, I know you will. You have, and I'm. Same goes back to you. Please, always. Depend on me for anything that you need, Howard. Well, thank yeah. you. You know, I have a side note. So I sure. told Mary that, you know, you know, Lance certainly wants to put you on podcast and uh -huh. everything. And she she says, you tell Lance that I will love him to pieces. I will always be his number one supporter. I can't do podcasts. And you say, you tell him that. I said, right. okay. She, okay. She worried about this. She told me this every day for five okay. days. I said, I, can I, I, can I was bet. in the shower this morning. He said, Howard, you need to tell
don't manage to <laughs> Nope, you do the podcast. No pressure. <laughs> Tell her I won't put any pressure on her. I love her too much to do that. Come on, your whole okay. family is just wonderful for me. No. Thank you, my friend. I All love right. you. Thank you. Aloha. Same here. Yeah, Aloha. Take care. All right. Thank you, honey. Bye bye. Thank Bye-bye. you. It's all on loan. Reach for the stars. And you're too blessed to be stressed. <laughs>